0: Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable podcast. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank and Oh, man, the man behind the mask, the master himself from HubSpot. I am joined today by Victor Pan. Now, Victor used to be that guy who ranked for almost all internet marketing keywords you would Google, like black hat SEO, for instance. Then he shifts from working at a steady, sweaty startup to wearing dress shirts to make sure you proper take care of your teeth for the brands like Crest and Oral-B and Procter and & Gamble. And now he finds excuses to talk to others one-on-one like me. I'm so lucky and hopes you will also make the web just a bit kinder at HubSpot. Thanks for joining me today, Victor. What's up, man?
1: Uh, Everything's good. It's a great Friday, and I'm just happy to talk about search and geek out with another fellow uh, SEO. And I remember in my early days, when I was still doing link building, I somehow scored a book doing something that was about link building. And uh, yeah, it was from you and uh, Eric Ward. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of come full circle in some way. Like, You'll meet the people that you uh, work in the same industry at some point or another. And for me, I think it's these, uh, the people that stay in SEO that are really valuable to connect with. And so I'm very fortunate to be here, uh, and just to talk about some thoughts about search.
0: Dude, I'm, I'm excited because I, you know, I've also been following you on Twitter now, X for the longest time. And for those of you who don't follow Victor, he's a great follow, like, because you are dropping so many insights while also being very precious about the information you share. Because we were talking right before we started the podcast about how as an SEO, everything in this industry changes so quick, you can't really unlock your secrets. Before we even dive into the search intent, what's your perspective there?
1: Uh, yeah, I think the thing about search intent is, uh, with the release of, uh, the Department of Justice, uh, you know, and their trial with Google, you're starting to see how clicks, uh, have always been kind of the magic behind, uh, how Google assesses, uh, a search result. And not just clicks, it's also those other user interactions which they group together. Um, and whether it's the hover, whether it's a search feature that you interact with, all of that is being logged. And that information is being used to help the next searcher who looks for the same query uh, you know, get a better result. And the more features there are, the harder it is for those engineers to interpret what that means. And the less there is, the more clear it is. And I think that's really interesting because for the longest time, we'll have Google say like meta description is not part of the rankings which is true, like literally it is true because they'll just be like, it's not. But you have this other line of SEOs which have been saying for the longest time, it's like, but it'll impact your click-through and that's what we care about. And then at the same time, you also have now uh, information saying like, hey, if that click-through is higher than we expect, maybe that should deserve a higher position. Let's test that out for that next person to go. And if that's truly as true as well, Then you start going into this other uh, portion, which is like, oh, are they a brand? Is that why they're being preferred? And now you have all these like weird conspiracies about uh, how Google prefers brands versus not all coming together. Uh, And I'm not the first person that feels this way. Uh, AJ Cohn, OG and SEO just wrote uh, a great article on It's Google Enough. Um, and I highly recommend anyone else to kind of read that. Uh, I've been seeing this for the longest time, but I cannot put it as out as, as eloquently as uh, AJ can. And he also reveals like little things that have been um, leaked throughout the days, right? Whether it's Nav uh, NavBoost, uh, I've been really digging into for the longest time. Previously, uh, this other document, which is called Fiddlers, which is a re-ranking portion of how Google reorder search results. They And then they claim not to, you know, censor certain sites, but deep down in the documentation, there's like a, a, a denialist, a blacklist, if you will, uh, of things. And so that's like, you're like, wow, am I in the sandbox? I'm like, eh, is that a sandbox? Maybe they call it something else. So I think again, with search, there's just so many fascinating things. And with, uh, you know, this click through stuff and rankings, it's, you, you gotta stay on top of it. But at the same time, uh, you got to do more than just what the searchers, um, search engines are doing when, when it comes to intent. But really, I hate to say this, but uh, it really boils down to creating something worthwhile and then creating that consistency so that you actually build up something uh, that is sustainable, something that people want. And ultimately actually drive some business result, right? And so that's that's my perspective uh, from working in-house at a startup, at an agency uh, and also, you know, in a global enterprise that you know, has locations globally. So yeah, intent ultimately, uh, for an SEO, uh, you really have to think like a marketer now. You really have to think about not just, hey, this is what they want, but rather, what can I make them want as well? And if you control more of that, then you have more control over the search results. Otherwise, if you're always chasing the algorithm, uh, you'll always be one step behind, right? You'll always be like, hey, uh, how did uh, this next Google algorithm update impact my site? And you're, you'll always be reactive versus, hey, let's create something let's always make sure that we have that consistent pattern of creating something excellent or remarkable and when that content comes out you have that level of excitement right you have people actively coming in to your site not just through search as a means of uh, uh of finding you but also maybe through emails through social we keep talking about this where we can't put all our eggs in one basket In Google search, we've got to think about other ways people search and try to solve this thing that they're trying to do. And it's all mediums. It's not just one
0: place. Dude, there is so much great stuff that you just shared there. And there's a lot to unpack. And I think some of the biggest things is this idea that Google, in a lot of ways, is always kind of gaslighting us. Like, they're telling us, you know, to what extent they use click data or user behavior data and maybe they don't but you know this is coming out from the DOJ and we'll include a link in the um the podcast description notes so you can look at some of the slides that have come out that speak to what you're what you're saying here the other part of this to the point about AJ's article talking about how a lot of search results almost reflect real world popularity contests and brand popularity having that user in action. If you if those clicks are actually driving the ranking results, then regardless of your relevancy, which you know came up in the article talking about why does Forbes always rank high? Why does US News always rank high? Well, people know those brands and they're more likely to click. Now, what I'm really interested in is you called out this article in this idea of search intent and being able to label what are the relevant terms and what should rank was actually a Thomas and Spielman study in the context of what Bing is doing, looking at large language models and how they can accurately predict searcher preference. You unearthed this. I know Andrea Volpini of WordLift wrote about it as well and built a little tool to test. Can you speak to that study and how that plays into this idea of understanding search intent?
1: Yeah. uh, So this is a little different, right? Right. So... uh, First of all, huge shout out to uh Donnie Anderson. Uh yeah. The uh founder of Birdie. Um she, so she runs her own SEO consultancy. Uh I again I've said this once, I've said I'll say it again. Like whatever she publishes, you should just like read. Mm-hmm. Um and uh especially the one on the uh Zithian distribution. I'm probably butchering that statistical term wrong, but uh like So, with Google shifting from being able to really understand kind of what their ranking factors kind of do, almost like knobs on a dial, uh, when they moved more towards machine learning, they really needed to understand what quality was, right? And they needed humans to do that. But humans are very inconsistent if you don't all train them to be more consistent. And that's why you have the quality rater guidelines and what this study showed was you know if you used llms can you get you know like results from human quality raters and the answer was again i'm summarizing for the audience was yes yeah Yeah. but it also in the footnotes said that oh and it still has all these biases that are typical of lms like you know uh and that's Again, another person to really call out is Brittany Mueller, which is she'll be telling you like, hey, this is like a very Western centric data set. Um, It's going to skew like white male view on things. You're going to have things from uh, the C4 data set. So anything like, you know, that talks about sex is centered out. There's going to be a lot of gaps in knowledge. So it's not going to be perfect. And those biases are going to show through. Uh, I think some of the AI ethicists have really set, like really pushed things out there um, and said like, hey, this is kind of like digital colonization, like where there's basically a lot of ideas right now. And all of those ideas are going to be centralized on the West because of everything being trained in the back end, uh, being very Western centric. And I say that as someone who is um, kind of born from the East and West. Uh, my parents are from Taiwan, like plane flight over from the US is basically a 12-hour time difference in time zones. And uh, yeah, uh, but I was born in the United States. So I, I I get to see how the web is very different in Asia, for example, or how that web looks like in mainland China versus like the web you would see here in the United States. Uh, and again, very different. And the LLMs are leading the way, right? All the tools we're doing, all the things we're creating. Uh, it's it's so different, but it's very good at solving for the systems we have now that people kind of enjoy. So you're kind of reinforcing it. So when you're talking about these like digital divides or like changes in how people see or view things, uh, it's something to really flag out. Like, yes, it does what we do currently better, but it's kind of digging us deeper and deeper in of reinforcing whatever biases we had previously. Um I think that's going to be an interesting problem that people will try to solve. I worry a little bit that uh you know when you have a hammer like everything looks like a nail to you, that analogy kind of applies where they're just going to be like, "Oh, and then we're going to solve this bias with more like LLMs." Um <laughs> but the important takeaway here though is here's is something that is um, cutting edge new. I would recommend people to play around with uh, Andrew valtini's uh, tool for now to understand how you could use this to improve your current processes, right? You can ask it questions such as here's a piece of content you already put out. What if I changed the query? uh what if i change kind of their intent what if i change uh the query uh on the content of something else i already ranked for and compare the two you'll start to find some interesting answers out of like what's more relevant and what is not and it's a new way to really look at your content in terms of cannibalization in terms of whether or not they're in the same topic whether or not it's helpful Uh, i think if you go through those exercises you will learn a lot more of you know, what would be a great user experience in creating a whole topic than versus like, oh, I got a great score, it's green greenlit, we can publish it. That's the wrong way to think about this. The right way to think about it is to truly understand that intent and that journey and to think about not just what the intent is for that query, but what uh, job to be done, which is Clay Christensen's you know, framework, Uh, that led to that query. And that job is basically that whole journey, right, of what someone's searching for information, realizing, you know, what that true problem is, and then trying to resolve it. So knowing where your piece of content sits, what's missing before and after it, or if you already have it, is it doing those, you know, transitory jobs adequately? That is a great tool to tell you what is relevant, what is not, um, and whether or not, you know, that piece of content should just be one piece of content from a qualitative standpoint, which is super interesting, right? Because now you have a machine that can give you the same answer every time. So really reinforce here that if you read the paper, the temperature has to be set, right? Because if you have some randomization, you're going to run the same test, it's going to have different results. Um, Yeah. So that's my takeaway for people that are trying to Understand, you know, what can I gain out of these cutting, cutting edge like new technologies that you know, whatever I'm saying now will probably be outdated by then. But the takeaway is there is always grains of user insight that you should take with you, and that is going to be more valuable than the next hack you have. You're like, hey, uh, I'm an SEO, How to be an SEO expert using GPT, and then you have all those threads that miss the nuance, which is this is a tool. To understand the user,
0: well, it, it's so interesting the way you explain it because it's like to your point. We all want to think that you know people are still smarter than than machines at this point, and we want to be able to trust our intuition. But that's different than the way that Google actually thinks about the relationships, the semantics, the entities of these different concepts. Just because you think there's a connection doesn't always mean that it's exactly the way that Google understands it. And so this is almost like more of a mathematical machine learning tool to at least validate your own intuition in the first place. Because it's like, if you think one thing and Google thinks another, I hate to say, if your goal is to rank on Google, it doesn't matter as much what you think. You still have to play the game to some extent, right?
1: I I agree with you. So there's playing the game and then there's creating something novel. Mm. And this actually brings up another problem in search that's worth discussing. It's this concept of a data void. So uh, for those who don't know in the audience, there's like a research paper from Bing where they realized, hey, there's a lot of queries that's coming out of nowhere. And those errors are actually from social. So people will coin terms or create ridiculous combinations. Old-school SEOs will know this as Google bombing. Like miserable failure it used to show up uh, the U.S. president George W. Bush because enough people on the internet started, you know, linking images with anchor text of miserable failure to you know our ex-president. And so uh, these queries are popping out of nowhere, right? And what can search engines rely on? Well, they don't have data from social. It's coming out of nowhere. There's a lot of pages optimized by SEOs on these terms or like random internet people. And that's the most relevant result now, right? Because that's the only thing that matches to the document. And so uh, on one end, that's one answer. Like, how do we solve that? We start go- creating new queries in combinations that never has seen before and popularize them elsewhere. So that would be like branded queries. and. <laughs> That's one strategy. Another strategy is to co-opt an existing term and turn it into a different meaning. Let me give you an example. Uh, HubSpot for the longest time uh, was trying to solve this problem for our customers, which was they were not internally linking the uh, content they were creating. And any good SEO knows that you should have uh, helpful anchor text inside your own content. So imagine having a content strategy, but not interlinking like you know the the stuff you're creating. Uh, That's just terrible, right? And so we're like, it's like what's what's the problem here? It's like people don't get it, right? Like they they don't see that user journey, they don't understand that links are kind of what brings things through, and that's also how Google understands the relationships between documents in your web page. So we were deciding whether to call you know this new idea, it's not new, of interlinking, uh, either, uh, I think it was either topic clusters, which by the way, was originally a statistical term, right? Like, and, or uh, I think it was like hub and spokes or some other name, again, SEOs, some other SEOs probably had the same name and then they're gonna like, I was first, I don't care. Like what we were trying to solve straightforward was like, how do we get people to interlink, especially our customers? And we ended up going with topic clusters because we were trying to look for like patterns and how like Google Googlers would kind of reference like how they think about things. The word topic came up a lot. And so we were just like, oh, we should do that. It'll sound like we kind of knew what Google is doing. But at the same time, suddenly the statistical term is now like a marketing term, right? And then mm-hmm. other people are reusing it because it really conveys what they're trying to do well. So ha- creating something that's, you know, people are trying to do, but they're lacking that word of using an existing word that meant something totally different, is something totally doable. And it's like a new intent. And because you've created demand, again, not just relying on SEO, now all of a sudden uh you have a new term that you can play in. And this is true with HubSpot, with this concept of inbound marketing. This mm-hmm. is true with uh with actually Procter and uh, Gamble, they were trying to introduce this idea of nose blindness. So if you've been smelling so bad for so long, you actually don't smell the fact that you, you smell terrible. And they did a whole research study on that. They even did commercials on it. Um, sometimes these concepts really pick up, sometimes they don't, but it's just you know another angle you can go at it. Um, and last but not least, just to balance things out uh, is instead of coining things, instead of co things, instead of all that, uh, you can play the game, right? You can say, like, it is X. Like, this is what Google is saying. Like, you see the search, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a blog result. That's a product result. And then, like, there's different intents and document types in there. And you're like, okay, which of these can I actually win in compared to, you know, what I can produce as a company? And you're like, okay, I'm going to play that game. And then you're going to do some rough benchmarks. You're like, oh, roughly what word count? Like roughly what entities do I need to mention? But that's going to be a very dangerous game simply because of where things are now with GPTs, right? Like, I think if you use GPTs, it'll help you get to the first page. But I don't think it'll be sufficient to rank for the top position which with these declining CTRs that we're seeing because of all these SERP features, uh, really has to be the the grand prize uh, everyone has to aim for these days. So it'll help you get there in terms of like page one relevance, but you're gonna need an extra edge. And that extra edge is gonna be that foundational stuff that I've been saying this whole time. It's like, what do users want? How can you predict a few steps forward? How can you say something that only you can say based off of whatever data you have? or whatever experts you're able to grab to really have a unique point of view that stands out from other people, that that that, that those other people can't just, sorry, uh, Brian, also Mas, uh, Brian Dean, Massachusetts native, uh, skyscraper you, right? Because yeah. GPT is like a huge skyscraper enabler, right? Just throw a bunch of documents, write me a really long form article, reformat it. This is someone else that wrote something else write something better, rehash it a few times. Like There's something very dangerous here that I've warned folks about for the longest time is this concept of a content arms race, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the average word count to rank on page one and you look at some of the keywords uh, that are very competitive, and if you've looked at it through the decade, that number has only been increasing And we've been causing that ourselves in this like self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And so I'm happy for passage ranking. Hopefully that will start to break that chain. But again, I'm just saying here that uh, you do have to play the game sometimes. Note that the surfs are going to change so much, especially with SG coming out. And uh, the only way to truly, truly, truly have that edge, I hate to say it, is to have that brand, to have that bias in this world of choices and you know, uh, uh, to go through that clutter, to reduce the cognitive load for that searcher and go like, oh, there's just so many results, what do I do? Oh, there's HubSpot, let me just click on that. They, they consistently create something that can solve what I need to do. I don't have to click on a bunch of ads or maybe there's way too many pop-ups, whatever. Um, there you go. That's your answer, right? Like, that's the way to really cut through. You have to play the game, but at the same time, you have to do something a little different.
0: There is, it's so it's so interesting because it really reveals the way you explain it, how that informs your strategy. Like, the size of your brand, the amount of your resources really does allow you to do more than a startup that's just starting off. Like, if you are, it's funny, I, I think. It comes to mind is the the movie Mean Girls, where they're like, you know, trying to make fetch happen. Like, not anyone can make fetch happen. Like, if you, you know, inbound marketing is a perfect example. Or, you know, the the ultimate goal is to make your brand a verb. You know, when we think of like Googling something, or I need a Kleenex or a Band Aid. And I still I still don't know why Twitter rebranded. You know, in this whole conversation, it's so funny to think about all the brand equity that was lost from Twitter, you know. Just by like tweeting was literally, you know, one of those examples. And here we are now. One other thing that I'd love to speak to uh, before we get to the rapid fire rankings that you're talking about it in terms of the data void is this idea that's come up a lot recently of information gain, which is adding new information to an existing topic. Do you have any insights into how Google understands that the new information is actually valuable? And what are your thoughts on the value of information gain going forward?
1: So this is something I'm actively looking at. Um, I don't have a good answer for you. Uh, In short, I don't know. Um, I think it's the way I've been tackling this, and other people can try to to go through the same method, is uh, when you the particular application I'm looking at is featured snippets. Like, how do you win a featured snippet? So right now, it is kind of playing the game, right? Like, uh, and I think my hypothesis right now is that featured snippet has to do with uh, not information gain. It is actually a uh, uh, an exercise of like, here's what Google knows about this whole entity already it feels confident that the user wants a quick answer so there's a certain level of maturity and then Google is just playing around with like what is the best short answer for that And as like an SEO you're 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 playing that game, right? You're typing the site colon you're like who's number one minus enter their website who else is on that like uh, I like to call it the feature snippet auction. So it's like, oh, next site, next site. All right, these are the four copies. Let's copy exactly what they have. Let's look at all the entities that are similar amongst them. Let's look at the word phrasing, sentence structure, all that. And you're like, all right, let's copy this. This is the number one that's working. Let's change the words here and there. Um, things I'm playing around with. Do I add more entities or does that dilute and mm. lead to like it's, you know, a, a different topic? Um do I add entities that have a, a salience score that's like lower than a certain threshold, and does that make a difference? So if you use Google's Knowledge Graph API, you type in a word, and then you'll have like you know, related topics to it, right? Like, is there a threshold where I add a word related more? It makes me more eligible for that or not, right? And there's also this element of, hey, let's just grab a bunch of feature snippets that have the same modifiers in different areas and spaces. And see what the patterns are, and not just in my topic, and then use those as different hypotheses of like the five to ten different variations that I'm going to run through. That eventually I'll win it, and I'll eventually I'll probably lose that too. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of where my mindset at is at when it comes to uh, you know, do we add an entity to whatever we're optimizing for? Or do we remove them? Um, it's you know, you rank mm-hmm. for a topic if you're on position one for the head term, you'll find that you'll rank for like 10,000, this is an exaggeration, but sometimes not, long tail variations of that, right? And all those rankings on those long tail variations, you're not number one for all of them. It's like all over the place. And if you've ever done, you know, like uh, revisiting your content to freshen it up, you're an SEO, right? So you're going in or you're you're uh, a writer trained on seo you're going in you're looking at all those keywords and you're adding it back in or changing the structure of your content and ultimately you'll find like hey it's very inconsistent sometimes if i do that i actually lose rankings on my head term sometimes like there, so there's a lot of guessing involved uh and for me it's trying to understand like How far am I off on that topic or in the other way? Is this like a new post? If it's not, I think that's the stuff that people should really look into and truly understanding again, where's the user intent? Is this piece again too damn bloated and it's now 10,000 words versus like, oh, this could have been like, you know, four or 500 words somewhere else. And maybe the content, the document type is wrong. Maybe it's like, hey, this was a blog post, but this really should be, Like an faq somewhere else or it should be a part of a glossary uh, or this should be something uh that would be better served as a video result oh gosh forbid we have to create something on youtube now because (laughs) uh, anyways that's another gripe altogether on how google's trying to shift things to be more visual and entertaining because you know a search engine is going to become uh Become obsolete the moment it loses the hearts and minds of the next generation.
0: <laughs> well, and to <laughs> Can that you point, you imagine I mean...
1: Google being, you know, the thing that old people use only, and like everyone's literally just only using TikTok? Like that's something I, I like that's an aging demographic. Like, like I'm an aging demographic at this point, right? So that's something I'm constantly thinking about and looking at my kids and how they use voice search or how they don't use head terms to search dude that could be
0: a whole other conversation i mean the whole fragmented search engine by demographic is a future and that's that's a topic for another episode i feel like this is i could talk to you and we could go through one after the other if you ever want to get in touch with victor definitely hit him up i think the great summary and the biggest takeaway at the end here from what you were just saying is really like the reminder of SEO, you have to think as a scientist. You have to test. You have to experiment. And even if you think you got it right, that's only temporary. Everything's always changing. Victor, are you ready to do some rapid-fire rankings to, to sum this up, all this good stuff? Uh, Sure. okay well let's do it because i mean seriously for the two-hour interview now um let's put some music
1: after you fill out this form yeah
0: (laughs) seriously i would love to just talk to you for hours and hours i i I love this conversation and it just you get my brain like wheeling and dealing so you know we'll 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 find each other on on the socials i'm still calling it twitter after this to continue but um put the music up let's put some time on the clock and let's dive in First off, rank your top three of something, anything that you love most in the world.
1: Anything I love the most in the world. Uh, So if you can't tell, I'm kind of a weird person. Uh, Whenever I have an opinion on something, I remind myself that I'm not the average Joe or Jill or whatever. Um, And so uh, I really enjoy like really uncomfortable silences. I think they're hilarious. I think they're very powerful. And I think if you're able to share that with someone, that's pretty that's pretty, uh, it shows that you're really close with that person. I, I. And, and another thing is uh, <laughs> I really enjoy conspiracy theories. Um, I think people take them too seriously. So if you're a flat earther, I'll still be your friend. Uh, <laughs> and I think, you know, at the end of the day, you're that other person that believes in this theory as ridiculous as it can be for you or something, there's other sides of their humanity, right? when all that's said and done. And that's not like the only part of them. And uh, if we can't embrace kind of the wild parts of the world and these alternative beliefs, then we're just gonna create like bigger separations. So I I really enjoy just like embracing people for like all their weirdness and then accepting that that's not the whole person. Uh, And then I guess like the last thing, again, going on this theme of like weirdness is like, I find uh, Find the really weird things on the internet is just enjoyable. I don't care how messed up it is. So whether it's stuff on the dark web, uh, uh, like, or whether it's stuff um, as a as an SEO and you're going through your backlink profile and you're like, what the heck are these sites, right? Or like, why are these like <laughs> religious-looking sites um, linking over here and there? Like, why is it coming from these com- uh, countries? Or I was just talking about data voids, um, like. It, It just it just tickles my brain. And I'm I'm just glad I can actually joke about something so nuanced with other people in the SEO community. So, yeah, that I'd say those those are pretty top three weird things that I enjoy.
0: That's amazing. And that's why I miss stumble upon too for those rabbit holes that you go down. Um, Rank your best number one SEO or marketing win.
1: Uh. Number one would have to be the most recent one uh, working at HubSpot that I can actually talk about. So uh, I started at HubSpot almost seven years ago at this point, back then it was just me. Uh, now HubSpot, I'm, I'm right now a individual contributor. And what that allows me to do is to be a lot more technical and uh, push for projects. One of the projects we got to push was actually uh, starting to build a platform. So if you go to ecosystem.hubspot.com, I'm really proud of that. Uh, That didn't come overnight. I had to first persuade people to start building um, a directory at HubSpot, which back then, everyone was like, you know, uh, link building through directories is dead. And I was like, no, we're going to build a directory. Um, (laughs) And it worked out very well for us, uh, which is the current HubSpot resource library. This is before we even supported dynamic uh, content within HubSpot. So that led to creating an actual platform, and I got to spec out uh, the whole infra. That would be like SEO first for a lot of things. Um, And so it was my excuse to, you know, play around with dynamic rendering, think about like the whole process of like, how do you get people to submit an asset to a marketplace and really understand the supply and demand of things? Uh, It was wide opening for me. uh, And I'm just really glad that, you know, we could create something of value for not only HubSpot partners, uh, whether you're a solutions partner, like an agency, an app partner that does an integration, or uh, a, uh, you know, someone who is developing on the HubSpot CMS. And creating assets to sell, uh, I think it's just a great experience overall to be able to uh, work with a huge, talented, you know, team
0: and have an outsized impact. So I'm pretty proud of that. Dude, that is epic. That's so cool. Okay, rank your top three SEO tools. Top three.
1: Uh, so I would probably use time as a metric to rank top three. This. As no, that's the way I'm weighting this. Number one, technically I'm in HubSpot the whole time. Um, HubSpot has, has its own SEO tools. Uh, so that would, I have to put that as number one. Um, number two, I'm probably using Ahrefs more than SEMrush. And then the third one would rather be, be SEMrush. I use Screaming Frog too, but what I've been finding these days is the Ahrefs uh, crawls are actually pretty good now. Like, it's, like if you don't need a uh, on-the-moment snapshot, uh, Ahrefs actually does a good job for that. That's, again, so sorry, Screening Frogs, still love you, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm finding that a lot of times I can just look it up on HRFs and the data is actually there. Uh, again, non-endorsement,
0: Anyway, anyway, right, just, of, course, time right time. of course. <laughs> <laughs> for for HRs at this point, considering they've been dealing with some interesting challenges, rank your best uh, SEO trick or tactic that you that you can share that you're not keeping close to the chest. Oh, uh, there
1: there's there's a lot. So, I think the best ones really depend on the context, like what's relevant for your business. Uh, I think tactics and tricks are also different, right? Like a, a trick is more like a hack. Uh, yeah. I think tactics, like they're all the best ones are the most boring ones, right? Like number one is keep your old URLs o- over creating new ones, like update your content again that, for that. Why do you keep your old URLs? Because you'd rather update your content than uh, create the same one over on a different URL. I think when I first joined HubSpot, there were actually over six duplicate eBooks on SEO myths. And that was I was just like, that's low hanging fruit. Let's just make sure there's only one. So that the version from uh, 2013 doesn't outrank the one from 2016, like that's just quick cutter, easy SEO. I, and I know it sounds amazing that HubSpot didn't know that back then, but now that's a constant thing we uh, make sure we do. I think um, I think it's really important to also just like tactically think about uh, technical debt as like not just oh we got to solve it all, but also the effort involved. And that's when you have that debt to really quantify that debt as a risk where you could get some sort of penalty. Because if you avert a penalty, right, the potential loss there uh, is actually a huge win. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, in order to solve for technical debt, you can portray like the potential loss. And that's much more effective to get that buy in. So, again, that's like a tactic. Um, And last but not least, like tactic wise, I think you should really, uh, um, you know, as an SEO, in-house SEO, I get a lot of requests like, hey, can you SEO this? And I'm just like, (laughs) no, but I don't say that. I'm like, oh, um, let me just look at it really quickly. And And then I'll be like, oh, and you don't have to worry about SEO. And then like a year later, you know, because you're so helpful and like, happy to not be a gatekeeper on these things, uh, you can then ask that person, it's like, hey, I know you ran this campaign. And then it's like, uh, do you plan to maintain it? Would you feel bad if I redirected this to something more relevant? Mm-hmm. Right? I love that. So, so you you don't waste any calories on doing useless, secured research because you know the impact's not there. Um, you also help that team member go, like, hey, you know, the SEO team check this. It's fine. And, but you also caveat and told them, like, hey, I don't think this is going to drive a lot of uh, traffic from SEO, but I'll make sure that when you do publish it, people can find it and it indexed in Google search. Right. That's so, so just good. at least solve for the branded queries. You get your backlinks to internal link to something else you care about. Everyone wins. Again, very simple tactic. People kind of like overblow things and it's like, no, don't make <laughs> SEO a gatekeeper. All right. When you
0: I love the way you think about this stuff man like because like a lot of people do miss the, those low hanging fruits or those like fundamental decisions to that point rank what you love most about seo uh <laughs>
1: i'm gonna be a little facetious here i love that <laughs> I it's not new uh i love that it's always dying <laughs> <laughs> and the, i think the most true answer though it's i love that it's there's no way there's no one way to be successful to, uh, in an seo career right yeah. uh you can, you know, previously you might have been a glassblower, like who's that? Uh, that's T.R. Oakes, right? Or you can be a veterinarian, like Mary Hines, or you could be like, you know, uh, uh, a professional chef. Uh, I, I, uh, I ha- I worked for someone that used to be like a professional uh, pastry chef. I was like, whoa, that's very cool. And so you can come from any sort of background. You'll have your unique take on content, on mm-hmm. how people search. And I think all that is valuable, right? We need to look at people holistically and differently. Um, And I love how no one is like the average person at SEO. (laughs) It's like, that doesn't exist. Everyone's kind of wild and crazy in some way.
0: Now, and and to your point about biases and all that stuff, that's why it's so important to lift up all of these diverse um, voices. Speaking of which, what rank your best learning SEO resource?
1: Uh, So I'm a little bit in a different space because I've been in the industry a little longer. Uh, My number one thing is actually just to reach out to people who really know their stuff and then offer like, hey, I know something about our (laughs) users in this and then let's just chat and then have a good time. Kind of like this, right? Yeah. Um, The other thing I kind of do is to look at tangential topics, that's not SEO related. So I've been really into IR now, I'm not an expert in IR, but I understand how important it is to understand, like, you know, IR scores of like how documents are scored and how that reflects to relevance and how that goes back to SEO. Well, some would argue that's still SEO, but maybe it's you're looking at uh, UX and design, maybe you're looking at um, CRO, uh, maybe you're looking at uh, usability, like all those things can still tie back to SEO. So there's not one way to really learn and get better at SEO. It's making those connections. And that's how you become an expert, right? It's not just like you're an expert in SEO, you're an expert in SEO, some other thing, some other thing. And in that centerpiece of that band of you're the only 0.0001% that knows all three disciplines. So that's another way I keep my imposter syndrome in check where I'm like, hey, (laughs) I'm not good at all these three things, but I'm the only person that does all those things together. So I'm actually pretty damn good.
0: And to Um, to that point from the DOJ stuff, it's like, you never know what is actually informing SEO. So like everything's holistic, everything's related and connected these days.
1: Yeah, and yeah, so that would be my second thing, which is to look at tangential things to SEO and try to relate to it. And the last one, uh, I'm kind of stuck here, so I'm just going to plug HubSpot Academy. um, (laughs) They have some SEO courses. We have some outstanding professors. Uh, I think Matt Barbie taught some of the classes and has those recordings. Um, So he used to be at HubSpot. And yeah, so yeah, go to HubSpot Academy.
0: (laughs) absolutely and beyond marketing as we're talking about like if you need to focus on marketing and drive the attention that ultimately will get the user engagement and clicks that's another thing um this is probably the most unfair question but rank the top one to three seos or marketers that you most look up to or admire well
1: i am on the rankable podcast so number one on the list is mike king for sure and then number right? two link building og oh, garrett I right, come on um and then uh number three oh, um uh, I, I like I kind of already said this like maybe it was before the podcast after I don't know that feels a little blurred I don't really believe in kind of like the SEO celebrity thing right like people are people and right sure we have like ideas and platforms that some of us will take advantage of but at the end of the day you're still this other person like my partner she thinks. I'm just like a normal dude, right? And then there'll be people that'll be like, oh, I got to talk to Victor and they're so excited. And they're like early in their career, cause like I've seen your Twitter threads or something. I'm just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, I think it's the same way. Like I've been, you know, I followed so many people on Twitter and all that. I think it's just great to be able to connect with people after a decade. So personally, uh, it's whoever I can run into in a conference that I've already seen their work online. I love that.
0: And, and, and the last one is just uh, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote.
1: Uh, yeah, so I hate wars. Uh, <laughs> I uh, have family that are still, uh, you know, uh, in one. Um, so I think when it comes to charities, I think they're inefficient. I actually would recommend to just wire money straight over somewhere. Um, so in my case, the cause that I like this wire money straight over and auto- automate is uh, actually Ukraine's armed forces for the Russian Ukraine war. Um, and then I'm obviously on one side, which is to stop the war and also to uh, make sure that my, uh, you know, my family or extended family uh, is in a good place. So, again, uh, that would kind of be my cause. Uh, there's other things I care about. They're generally more local. Uh, and those, I think it's really important if you're in a community to really take care of those things first. I understand the world is in giant chaos right now. Uh, but again, please, everyone, take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your community. And remember, uh, you know, we should have gratitude in what we do have. And if we focus on the good and we extend the good, That's the way how we beat kind of this cycle, cyclical cycle of violence. So I would say, yes, um, we can fund uh, other charities like the Ukraine Armed Forces so that they can protect their families. But at the same time, what can we do internally at home is, you know, spread that joy, spread that kindness uh, to the others near and around you.
0: I, lo- I love that. I mean, it's deep and it's real and it's where we are in 2023. If someone wants to get in touch with you and 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 share that and and talk SEO or anything, where, where's the best way to get in touch? Uh,
1: there's a few places. So if you know me, know me. I'll send you a link. If you don't, uh, you could probably find me answering in a DM and Twitter or probably even LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn's a little harder because I get a lot more spam. Uh, recruiting link building guest posting you name it uh <laughs> so bad. but i think linkedin which is probably another topic altogether is uh becoming a very important uh play, place to be i'm not going to talk about EEAT, but
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well dude thank you so much for being my guest this has been a fantastic conversation i really do appreciate it
1: not a problem it's been such pleasure I had a lot of fun
0: Absolutely. Okay. We'll have a little awkward silence for, for five seconds before I end this. Here we go. Are we recording? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> my, name, my name is Garrett Sussman. You're it's been a, <laughs> well, I know. I know. That's the whole thing. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Check you on another episode of the Bull podcast coming up next week. We are out of here. Peace. Bye.